Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 president-elect. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we're interviewing Erica Nelson. Welcome, Erica. Well, thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we are so excited that you're here. We have a fantastic topic today. We're talking about management development training. But before we hop in, before we learn all you have to teach us today and and talk with us about today, we would love first to learn about you. So if you'd like, take a couple of minutes and introduce us to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, anytime you do an intro, you go back to all those like biography pages you've had to write for, you know, for like you 10 do. years. And, and I think to myself, well, oh, that hasn't really changed very much. Um, my background, and you've, uh, this, this word has already come up, um, is in uh, journalism and English as an undergraduate. And um, it really sparked my curiosity. Um, I love language. I love the etymology of words and phrases and um, didn't necessarily wanted to want to be a writer. But what that took me into was an interest in education and teaching. And so I worked for a year for a, um, a uh, department store in Hartford, Connecticut, lived there and learned a lot about being um, <laughs> not very good at being a, a, a kind of a secretary. And uh, <laughs> although I had a, uh, like a fun personality, we had a lot of fun together, but I wasn't the best at typing and all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, and it just reminded me like, to look for my passion. So I got my master's degree in education. And then I worked in higher education for a number of years in student services and academics, and then taught at the community college level. And I taught um, the what we call survey level courses. So psychology 101, psychology 102, uh, and always was looking to make that fun and experiential for students. And I picked the worst time as the new faculty member to teach was on Friday nights from <laughs> six thirty to nine thirty, <laughs> and oh, no. uh, so I knew right then and there that I had to draw on some of that kind of curiosity and passion and all that. And we had a lot of fun, and I have still some of those warm, fuzzy notes from my students from years ago. Um, but from the community college level, um, I then moved into uh, working in my own practice, which was to do coaching and I got certified and um, did more learning of my own, which I think we all need to do, right? We develop because we keep learning in learning and development. And so for 21 years, I've been with the Center for Leadership at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management, which is in Lake Forest, Illinois. And um, I develop courses, I facilitate and consult with clients and talent development, and do a lot of work helping them figure out what is most important, what's the outcome that I want to get at, right? And how do I get there effectively? And then for 12 years, um, I have been um, uh, with ATD and feel so blessed uh, and lucky to be able to partner with such a great organization and meet people like you in these <laughs> great chapters. Um, so I facilitate seven 
different certificate programs, including uh, a master performance consulting course, um, virtual instructional design, which is really popular right now, and a change management course, which I love. What an amazing story you have. I love the <laughs> variety and the number of paths that have taken you to where you are today. Although I think you left something out. You've also written a book. Yes. I, <laughs> um, and that is, that's kind of why we're here today, right? It certainly is. So, so a part of that, to, to your point, Stephanie, these <laughs> kind of paths that we take, I had this exceptional opportunity and outreach um, from ATD. And they said, you know, you designed this course on management development, and we want to take that and have it be part of our workshop series. So, as you know, as you know, uh, ATD has several different kind of branches of their their publishing, and one is a workshop series, which is truly it's a hands-on tools assessments, the whole program, and uh, and divided into some different ways to teach it: two day, three day, etc. So, uh, I am so uh, fortunate to have had that experience, not without a a significant level of stress <laughs> with deadlines <laughs> oh, yeah. and you know all those other things. No doubt. But, um, but it was a great uh, it was a great way for me to take something that I love, which is to talk about how do we develop leaders, how do we develop managers, how do frontline managers really teach and train and coach, uh, and turn it into a hands-on uh, book. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that. Let's actually start there. So your book focuses on frontline managers. So these are our people managers, usually the right. first line of management. I would love to hear from you why it is so important that we develop our frontline managers, especially in a world where I feel like the conversation can sometimes trend toward our executive leaders and mm -hmm. you know more senior managers. But we can't overlook our frontline managers. Tell us a little bit about why that's so important. Uh, great question. And actually, the beginning of the book is an introduction, and it talks about how to use the book, how it's laid out. But I just want to read this opening uh, kind of italicized uh, couple of sentences. And it reads, um, good managers are the center of their team. Great managers are the heart of their team. And so the question was posed, you know, why is management development training so important? And particularly for frontline managers who have been promoted often, as we all know <laughs> from our own experience, probably too, because they're really talented and they're skilled at, uh, at their job, at that position that they're in. Uh, and frontline managers who, who, you know, take on that role, um, often then need that that frontline support to get them to a point where they see themselves transitioning and transferring some of their knowledge and skill um, to their then now direct reports. And it is not an easy transition. Uh, and and I think ripe also with lots of um, kind of uh, a kind of initial failure potentially, uh, which for me is more about not being confident, versus competent, right? They have the skill set, but they need the guidance and the direction and, and the scaffolding, right? The structure in order to become good at that management of that, you know, work now that they used to do as an individual contributor. As I'm hearing you talk about that, I'm realizing, I, I think you're completely right about that. It becomes almost a crisis of confidence. You've got the skill set. You know how to do it. You know what to do. 
but not necessarily having that self-belief or perhaps even in some cases support or feeling like you might not have that, it can lead you to not feel like you can perform Mm -hmm. in the way that perhaps everyone else might know that you can. What does it look like to build those support structures? So if you have a frontline manager who's being promoted into a role, but perhaps maybe doesn't have the confidence, is there anything that teams could be doing or perhaps their managers could be doing to help better prepare them so that that first step forward is a confident one and a prepared one? Uh, it's uh, it's exact, exactly to your point. It's this idea of scaffolding. So mm. we in organizations often talk relentlessly, right, about coaching and that kind of structure and having that. And I think for frontline managers, new managers who uh, I think are, are often ready for that, right, they have to have been shown a pathway of what it means to have developmental conversations and have those consistently and not just once or twice a year. <laughs> Uh, they have to have demonstrated to them from their own managers and leaders the importance of identifying uh, talent and skills that they have and operating from, again, uh, st- strengths. Um, they need to see their own manager fail and mm. accept that Yeah. Ooh. And, and be able to come back to the team and say, uh, I misread this. I didn't see this situation. I didn't forecast this. I didn't do my part, whatever that is. So that when they're in a management position and they uh, don't feel um, like they have the answer, they are empowered to say that, right? I have a a really, really good example of this. It literally happened uh, uh, in a recent uh, facilitation I was doing. And we were talking about roles and responsibilities And that the leader, in this case, someone that this team really looks up to, they're a really high-performing team. And one of the um, uh, uh, direct reports who's who's a a manager of an area underneath that senior leader uh, shared the story that they were working on, on their part in this process. And they're the expert. They're the subject matter expert, right? Um, But the manager, the boss, that person's boss was putting their fingers in the pie, right? Mm. And this director, you know, this manager uh, looked up at his boss and said, uh, and said, I got this, right? This is, this is mine. I know how to do this. And this manager to their great credit stood up and looked and said, you're right. I'm sticking my fingers in where they don't need to be. And, um, and if, you know, I hope that makes sense from the perspective of, as that senior leader demonstrating to that direct report, first of all, think about the trust that was involved yeah. that that direct report could say right. back off, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but that, that senior leader also said, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm sticking my nose where it doesn't need to be right now. And that's the kind of, uh, I, I think, intentional scaffolding and structure of leadership presence and demonstrated uh, you know, talent and skill that we need to be building in. And it doesn't have to be this formal program, right? It's a culture in the organization that says everybody deserves to know how they're doing, including me as the boss. Yeah. Feedback is a part of our conversation. We never leave a meeting or a conversation without giving each other some input and knowing where we're going next, right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's being organized around it, I guess. I love the fostering uh, we, of the we growth all need mindset. More of that. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. It's I'm not there. You're like, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Or that this manager said, I don't need to be here. You're right. Yeah. Go do. I have other <laughs> stuff I should be doing. Oh, I love it. Now you, uh, yeah. in your book mentioned, uh, you go over ATD's Excel model. So talking yeah. about skills mm-hmm. for managers, can you give an overview of that framework for us? Sure. Yep, absolutely. Uh, this uh, course uh, that I designed uh, with ATD and then the book that we transitioned it into is based on this research-based model, the Excel model. So it's A-C-C-E-L. And the focus of the model is on what were identified as five key skills uh, necessary for managerial success. And I want to qualify that also by saying it's not just success, but also effectiveness, mm-hmm. right? So um, um, it, it's not that we're just successful, but that we got to the outcome that we needed to get at. So these five aspects of the model are broken out uh, in, 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 the, in the next uh, uh, descriptors. So the A stands for accountability, and that's what we describe as positive accountability. I think that word from a language standpoint, has been given a bad yeah. rap. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you're accountable for that, right? <laughs> and, um, instead of, um, hey, um, you know, this is my accountability for this. I'm excited about this, right? I know I can do this. So we talk a lot about positive accountability. Uh, collaboration, uh, which is a, um, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a characteristic, it's an activity uh, that takes time. But when you put the time into true collaboration, um, it's stickier, right? Whatever that solution is, is going to hold. We've talked through the ins and outs of it and we feel better. It's not just a compromise, right? It's really, we've been collaborative in the way that we've looked at this and gone about it. So I love that piece. Um, we always have to have the C for communication, which is this next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and the, um, the importance of seeing communication uh, not only as that that kind of top-down model, again, back to Stephanie, your point where we tend to look at senior level leaders, executive leadership all the time, but the communication that's transient, that kind of works through a system, uh, communication as a structure, you know, when you work on a project, we have lots of good project management structures. We should be building a communication strategy about how we're going to socialize this information, how we're going to roll it out, who's going to know. So that whole communication piece is, is broad uh, as well. The next one, the E stands for um, two pieces, engagement, and then the L for listening. And those are, are kind of connected in the course. So it's, it's engagement not only about um, with the idea that people are engaged in their work and feeling like they're doing work that makes a difference and they feel uh, challenged by, um, but it's also engagement in process, engagement in being able to go to your manager uh, and feel that psychological safety of having those conversations that um, uh, are, as we know from the vernacular, crucial, right? So engagement, you know, both and, you know, toward that relationship with your manager, but also that individual engagement in what I'm doing. And then, of course, global listening, third, third, you know, third level listening, being able to understand the content, being able to listen uh, for uh, what's not being said. Um, and, um, I, I call it, and when I facilitate coaching, I talk about this, that I'm always listening for what I call the throwaway comment. So it might be something like, uh, Stephanie and I are talking and Stephanie says to me, um, 
yeah, well, I wish I always work like that. <laughs> and um, I listen for those things because my response is, well, talk about that. You know, what do you mean you wish it always, you know, we were off script now for our coaching or for our developmental conversation, but this was important enough for that individual to put out there in airspace. So we want to be aware enough and engaged enough that we pick that up and that we can let them speak to that, right? So that piece is so important. And then the last part of this all together is assessment, right? That we're assessing all these pieces and we keep improving this, uh, you know, each part of the model. Yeah, Erica, I'm thinking about our listeners, talent development professionals. If they right. wanted to implement a management development program at their organization, are there certain elements they should start considering first? Uh, you know, I, I think probably what we just talked about, which is having some structure, right? Having mm -hmm. a model that can give it structure. If an organization, and uh, we've all had this experience and or have talked to colleagues in this experience, where there's not a competency model or there's not a, um, you know, a capability model that we're operating off of, it can be very loose, right? right. And um, and you, you want to start with some anchors that align with the uh, culture of the organization, kind of those beliefs and behaviors. And I think, again, I'll promote the Excel model because it's language that's easy to understand. It's mm -hmm. attributes like accountability and communication, et cetera, that people know are core too. So I would say that that's a, a really um, significant part of this. And from there, you can map out what that coursework or coaching or um, uh, you know, kind of partnership, internal partnerships for learning can become based on that structure. So for me, I think it's always starts with, and this is just good instructional design is let's do some assessment and analysis of what we have and what we don't have and what kind of model can we build in that will make some sense. Nice. Yeah. I absolutely love the the model, and I'm even thinking the applications can go beyond perhaps establishing management development yeah. programs. I mean, some of these are really fundamental mm -hmm. for how teams work together, mm -hmm. and helping managers to become part of those conversations seems like another possible application of this really well-constructed framework. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think uh, thinking as we think about how uh, teams are formed, back to you know, that you know 1960s work of Dr. Bruce Tuckman that everybody mm -hmm. knows, right? And how that's evolved over time. <laughs> when you think about this, this, uh, this kind of formulation of a team, and the idea that um, you have a lot of reliance on your leader when you're forming, because that new team doesn't quite know what we're doing yeah. yet, right? That whole idea of that leader laying out accountability and what those strategies are, what those expectations are, how we work, which is through a collaborative process. And here's what that looks like, right? Giving it uh, uh, texture, right? You know, content structure for what that looks like. Uh, obviously, communication and engagement being a part of that. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you because we all know in, any, in all of uh, Tuckman's research and all of the research that happened as a result of that work is that we go back to basics, right? We lean in and we go to what's natural and normal for us and what we are comfortable with. And so uh, knowing that, how do we make sure that we um, uh, remind ourselves that we're not alone in our work? And as a manager, and especially a frontline manager, 
our ability to keep connection with the work and the, uh, the um, stress of the work, the healthy stress of that work, right? All those things that make it worthwhile for people to be motivated um, is what makes us more effective ultimately um, as a leader than too. Oh, absolutely. We've had a, a in-depth conversation already, but I know there's lots more that we could learn. So we're going to encourage folks to go get that book, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, but we go. are not done asking you questions yet. So at the end of every okay, episode, I'm ready. <laughs> hey, I love it. You love <laughs> you're ready for <laughs> rapid fire. Let's do this. Okay, <laughs> makes my day. So, right, let's just love dive it. in. I love it. Okay, so uh, give us one book that everyone must read and why. Okay, so this is a book that was written in 2013. So I don't want people to think that this is dated because the book is tremendous. It's called Influencer, The New Science of Leading Change. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was written by the authors of Crucial Conversations. And so, of course, it has that embedding of the importance of honesty, uh, making sure that we're, uh, we are on the same page. And this idea of this new science of leading change I think also is, is so important, which is why the book isn't, I, I just reread it actually probably like three months ago in preparation for a change management uh, work I was doing. And that idea of being an influencer is really what it's about. So yeah. I love that. I book. love it. It's, it's sitting behind me on my bookshelf right now. There you go. I love, <laughs> I love it. it. <laughs> All right. What is one tool that you cannot live without? Okay. So, um, of course, I had this prompt in advance and I'm, I was thinking, oh, what's a good tech tool or <laughs> something f- cool or whatever? And I'm just going to be low key on this, right? It's having a whiteboard in my office. It's having a big, large flip chart on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and because I think in connections, mm-hmm. I need that visual representation to see the steps and sticky notes. <laughs> I have to have sticky notes. That's the other tool because as I'm building out a flow chart or like a, you know, a bucket list of things and I'm moving these post-it notes around the, the, um, the, the, the physical uh, activity of working through that visually is what helps me get out of the incubation stage and into the, okay, here's what, here's what makes sense. Here's what we're going to do. There's just something magical so, about that, isn't it? Yeah, something magical <laughs> about is. physically manipulating Completely. things. Completely. Yeah. Awesome. Yep, I love it. Okay, final one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Okay, so I'm going to cheat on this. I'm going to give you two. Oh, sure. We'll take it. <laughs> so so the first one is um, when, we, uh, when we lead, when we facilitate, when we consult, we need to put on the face that is needed in that moment. Mm. So whatever that team needs or that client needs at the time, whatever that game face is, it's really important for us to take that breath. And this is that whole competence and confidence, you know, two sides of a coin that help us get there. So I may not be in the best space sometimes, but, uh, but you have to compartmentalize that and put that face on and be ready. Nice. So that's one. And I learned that years ago from my very first um, boss out of graduate school who I am still friends with and so much that I learned from her. So that was one thing. Um, The other piece of advice is something that that I experienced just in the last two and a half years coaching young professionals. And that is we have a responsibility to encourage and lift up young talent. Absolutely. 
And there was, uh, we all know with this public health crisis, right, how difficult that was for those young people finishing during that time and coming out and not necessarily having direction and literally coming into a market, which we experienced in 2012 and other years, right? But if our organization says that it's looking for new ideas and creativity and not that typical experience, right? We have a lot of people that have built a credential with uh, through a gig economy already and have learned so much that they can bring to our organizations, right? So if we say we're going to hire for talent, right? Then we need to welcome young, talented people who not weren't able to follow maybe a typical path, and um, but have tons of skill and energy and creativity. So um, my my commitment to that is anytime on LinkedIn, I have a LinkedIn request from um, a new grad, a young professional. Um, I always say yes. I always reach out. I always say I'm happy to talk because uh, I think. Um, that's part of our responsibility as mentors um, for, for others. What an inspiring way for us to wrap up today. I love that. I, I hope everyone adopts that as a call to action. What can we do to support others, yeah. including and maybe especially the young professionals who are just as excited as we once were to get into this field? I am so glad we had the chance to learn from you today, Erica. This has oh, been a phenomenal you. conversation. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for the opportunity. I loved working on this book and um, and putting pen to paper around what it means to do good leadership development, management development with others, and that it can be done in a, in a really good structured way. So thanks for letting me speak to that again. And, um, and, and thank you for all the work that you're doing to help educate the rest of us. Oh, we are always happy to be part of solutions out there. So yeah, it was wonderful to get to chat today. And of course, Chris and Leticia, thank you so much for joining us too. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much, ladies. And uh, thank you, Erica. These are very helpful tips. Thank you. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for joining us today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on Volunteer to get started. Mm -hmm.